because we saw her, I think she when she was at work. And right. I was like, you may as well come on the podcast. As is my interaction with everybody in the world is, you know, meet them and then come on the podcast. I don't know. You know what I did realise? Mm-hmm. It's been a technically two years since you've been on this podcast. Technically. Technically. As in we're in the second year. But you, I looked up the date and it was October 2017. Last time you came on this podcast. That's mad. Which leads to obviously the question, which is usually what opens it, is it's been two years. Two, two years since we sat down and had coffee. So, that was the first time we ever met. It was the first time we ever met. It was... Yeah. <laughs> and we've done, I've done how many... I've done, oh, this is like 70 something it's like 74 wow podcast now I've slowed it down a bit I'm now yeah. doing I'm now doing three a month okay that's the rule but that's still a lot though like how many were you doing a month then well I was doing them every week so I do uh, yeah. one with a guest one solo one with a guest one solo and literally just doing it every week um, and then when it got to the end of last year I had to essentially stop just because work and I was like We'll pick up, go mm. again. But I'll do three weeks and I get a week off. Cool. But we're happy to have you back. Nathan. Yeah, thank you. If anyone listening, we've got Nathan Dean. Hello. Who is the second second time you've been on? Yeah. A lot has changed. A lot has changed. You're still a writer though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that bit's not changed. You yeah. Because I can't remember how we introduced you last time. Maybe I maybe Alter. Something like that. Something like that. Like I'm stepping back a lot from the art stuff. Okay. A lot. All right, fill me in. Fill me in. Okay, so one of the reasons why I wanted to come on this is because uh, a lot of people in the Lincoln community listen to this from what I can gather, and you've got like such a wide range of people and everything coming on. I mean, I appreciate that. I disagree, but yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, But like when I messaged you, I wanted to, like I said, like I want to talk about some heavier stuff. Yeah. Um, so, there are people that have done, like, stuff in the past, sort of should... Like, Dan Harmon recently, like, released a like statement of the stuff that he'd done in the past and things, and it's, like, to take, like, an account. Like, I have to grow as a person and be better. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I know that in that two year, mm-hmm. in the middle of that, yeah. I was a shitty human being, Okay. <laughs> basically. Um... I, so yeah, I want to basically apologize to people for how I how I was okay. during that stretch. Cause and people will know like who they are that I affected or whatever. Um, and it was it, it nothing like hugely major. It's not like I'm releasing some like huge statement. Um, no, it's not like a confessional but, tape. No, no. <laughs> but I know that I was god awful for a long stretch because i just broke right um after losing my job at lincoln college mm-hmm. um because of budget cuts and a load of personal stuff i then tried desperately to make as much art as i could and to like last time i was here and i'm talking about oh i'm gonna do this stuff with the poets and i'm gonna do this stuff with these guys and i'm gonna do stuff with these guys mm-hmm. and i just pushed my ideology Onto, onto everyone people. else. Yeah. 
like because I it, it came from a good place initially because I was like I I can see so much in you guys and I want you guys to accomplish so much. Yeah. But I didn't adapt accordingly to what people actually wanted. I just went, no, you're going to do these things and you're going to be amazing and I don't care. Right. Um, but recently, I started seeing a counsellor. Mm-hmm. And again, I feel like you read a lot of stuff about people need to like remove the stigma of like mental health and stuff. Yeah. And I've never been diagnosed with anything like depression or anything. And I don't want to use those terminology when someone actually knows that they've got something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's the best word I could probably use for how I was. Yeah. Like, lost interest in things, couldn't get up in the morning. Yeah, like, seeing a lot of the same kind of benchmarks for what someone would be considered yeah. depression. Yeah, exactly. Um, and in the counselling sessions, I learned that there's this thing called empathy fatigue. Okay. I always assumed that people just are empathetic or are not. But you can run out of empathy if you overuse it. Okay. That's interesting. Um, you have to restock it. Yeah. And I wasn't. I went through a phase of just open, have been completely, not even just sympathetic, like completely engaging with what someone's entire life mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Because when Eyes and Sexy started, I said to Andy, who was doing like the back end stuff and all the producing, I'll be on the front lines and I'll deal with them directly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'll mean I'm going to be going out drinking and it's going to be fun. But at the same time, I'm going to really drink in what these people are up to and try and help them. Yeah. And I just ran out. Because when you're listening to a room of 30 people all reading poetry, which is personal, yeah. and then on top of that, putting on your own plays with a cast of like three people that you're doing the same thing with and then your personal life and then everything else. Yep. Yeah. It can completely. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why I then became a shitty person because I had nothing. I couldn't be empathetic anymore. Yeah. So I just gave up and I just went, I hate everyone and everything that ever was. So you're essentially running on empty and then trying to continue because that's what you'd set the path you'd set yourself on essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And I was terrified of the idea of stopping. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's a terrifying idea. Especially for kind of creative types. I think because so many people who have been creative get into that position of I can't create. So as soon as you start making, you're like, if this stops, I'm screwed. Yeah. So even if it's detrimental to your health, even if it's detrimental to your well being, you just keep going. Kind of thing. And you you find that a lot with especially kind of people who run or start their art through addiction. Mm. And it's like, cool, yeah, so I write I drink to write. So, all right, cool. If I stop drinking, I'll stop writing. And that's not true. Yeah. But that's what they'll fall into. And that kind of becomes your life, sort of thing. So yeah, are, you, are you still running with that, Artists and Sexy? Yes. Yes. But we're shifting it around a bit. Okay. Um, like, I mean, I also feel like I had, I've been, when I was coming here, I, yeah. I had a plan in my head of exactly how I was going to explain everything that happened, okay. but instead I've just gone... Bleh. <laughs> Um, that's the best way though <laughs> this is yelling at concrete after all yeah. you could have just blurred out <laughs> <laughs> but yeah AIS is still a thing yeah um, there's new people working in it now imagine um, I started volunteering at an art gallery in Nottingham Surface Gallery you, you said no point there I said no point to lots <laughs> the Surface Gallery is one of my regular ones because yeah. they didn't know what it was for ages they were no just like what, what is. is this and why is it here and I went I know why it's here <laughs> like the amount of times I've sent it to just like places and they've sent me back a message just like, I don't know what this is. Thank you for it. But 
right. Do you ever respond, or do you just remain mysterious? No, I send them a thank you. Um, the only ones I don't respond to are when people tell me to stop. Okay. I've had a couple of those where they just said we are not interested in your publication, and I'm like, okay. Well. Do you still keep going though? No. Oh. Mainly just because I'm kind of like, I'm happy to to push on people, and I'm happy to take people out of their comfort zones. Yeah. But yeah. when it's an institution. Like, if it was a singular person, I'd probably just keep sending them it. But when it's an institution, I'm like, yeah, I can't really bother with the legal aspect of this whole... Because <laughs> what I'm technically doing is littering. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what the legal ramifications of continuing to post something to an address that is public. It's like cold calling, isn't it? But with posts. Cold calling poets. <laughs> It's like we turn up at your door, we give you something abstract, and then we just walk away. And I'll do that every month <laughs> until the end of time. <laughs> like, that's not something some people are comfortable with. The best one I think I had was Royal Armouries in Leeds, um, who sent me one which was like, we are not interested in this publication. And I was like, oh, fair, fair, fair enough, yeah, I wouldn't do that. And then they sent me a follow-up email, which was much harsher than the first email. I was like... I've said fine. <laughs> you know? well, I've stopped. It's no <laughs> more. Like, if you continue to sell it, was like legal action. I was like, look, Jesus. I already said we're okay. <laughs> Do not worry about it. Wow. Yeah. It's a bit. It's how much? Like how? They really don't want spam. <laughs> I feel like they've had a bad That's time with flyering. Thing. Yeah, it's an A six thing which arrives once every two months. It's like, yeah, I'm wow. Not even arguing with that. <laughs> That's mad. Like that, you'd be that angry. <laughs> Like, just go, no. Like, just... I've, I've sent it to literal celebrities. Like, because you can go online, obviously you find fan mail addresses. I've yeah. sent it to, like, random celebrities. That's and I cool. fully expect them not to understand what they're receiving. And I've never received a cease and desist from them. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've sent Danny DeVito, like, four. Because I was like, if Danny DeVito appreciated it, that would make my day. Danny DeVito would definitely appreciate it. I don't send it to artists, though. You should. I feel like they don't need it. <laughs> Um, I got an email back from Slavoj Žižek's secretary once, the philosophy uh, philosopher. Yeah. Um, so you can get in t- contact with him. He probably won't like it, but like, uh, like, and I found Marina Abramovich's contact details as well. Right. Yeah. Who did the others is present, but it just pinged me through to they just directed me to her institute. Right. So now I'm just on that general mailing list. Casual mailing list, yeah. Um, I find it's just a good way to poke galleries. Yeah. Just just every so often, just take a gallery and poke them a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, we always put it on the front, like, on the, all our stuff. Like, it's always there. Nice. Nice. So with Surface, are you, are you curating? Are you putting on exhibitions? Or so are you just part project? Based? When I turned up, I wanted to just be a curator that spoke to artists and drank wine and went, oh, yes, this is art. Um, and That's then the you very quickly learn how much is involved in making a gallery work. Yep. So I've done everything from painting floors to teching, but now my main role is doing the uh, social media, mm-hmm. um, so marketing events and stuff like that. We're also working on our own in-house zine uh, and a couple of other things. Um, and I'm on the committee there now as well, so I help with like general decisions and stuff, but it's a little bit more awkward for me because I'm here. Yeah. So they'll hold general meetings like in the middle of the week and now that I'm teaching again, I miss quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, But it's good that I can do all the social media stuff remotely. Yes. Um, So yeah, and then I learn how they work Mm -hmm. and I'm now applying that system to Art Isn't Sexy. 
Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So rather than me be the creative director at the top and I go, we're going to do this, this and this and this and you're going to do that and you're going to do this, I'm running everything. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to being an artist first, not a (coughs) producer or a manager of people or any of that. Yep. And like I was starting to do like events like at the Blue Room and things where it was like, well, we've got to have a community engagement angle and we've got to do this. <coughs> and I just wanted to jump off a bridge because I yep. hate talking like that. I yep. want to talk about what the play is about. And I don't care if 10 people or one person turns up. I don't yep. care. Yep. I want to make something real yep. for me, like something true. And I stopped doing that. Yep. Um, so this new system that we're putting in place removes, it moves the autonomy into the system. Yeah. If you're going to have a non-hierarchical system, you the system has to look after its people, yeah. rather than putting the ownership on people, actual people in charge of everyone else. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, we're going to have a meeting next week and discuss future projects and stuff and how we're going to move forward. But, as I say, I've stepped back a lot mm-hmm. because I did just break. Yeah. And I know that I'm not ready to jump back in and make four plays every year again. No. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to be a dickhead to anyone anymore. No. It's a big, like... I mean, that's not a bad life lesson, really. <laughs> like, it got scary. Yeah. Because there were just chunks of time that I have no... There's nothing. Yeah. When you can't m- remember things. And it's not even, yeah. like, blind drunk or whatever. Just day to day, yeah. Just nothing. Yeah. <clears throat> Big gaps, just that where there's just nothing exists. Um, like I'd be chatting to someone, I'd be like, "Oh, we met at this thing," and I'm like, "I can't remember going to that thing. I can't remember who you are." So when I'm like, "I'm sorry," mm-hmm. there's stuff that I don't even know. May have happened. May not have happened. Yeah. Because I just was so tired and so exhausted and so lacking in empathy that I feel like something just went, I'm just going to shut down and put you on autopilot for a bit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. It's, yeah. In a way, it's like it's weird. Like, I've seen that quite a few times with creative types who have thrown themselves into kind of anything. Like, doesn't matter what the medium is, doesn't matter the format. Yeah. You start following <coughs> something and you go, right, this is going to be everything. It's going to be everything I do because that's the dream. That's the dream is to do do everything. And then you get to a point where you're like, cool, I want to do everything. Also, I want to do everything because now I think everyone's an asshole and only I can do it right. And you kind of get to that point and you just suddenly start burning out. Yeah. Because, you know, you forget about health and, and all these kind of bits and bobs. And I always find it interesting when creative types go through it because we get these huge gaps where we're kind of like, like you. Don't know what I was doing. Don't remember any of that. And then you talk to people in non-creative fields, and they're like, yeah, that's like every year. You're like, what? He's like, yeah, that's my life. I don't remember most of my life. Didn't it's because it's all the same for them. Yeah. Like, obviously, ours takes huge, varied amounts. So not remembering going to an event, meeting people, seeing artwork and all that kind of stuff, we're kind of like, that's huge. I've missed so much. Whereas, like, you get someone who's an accountant, and like, yeah, I don't, I don't remember most of last year. I did something. I got to the end and we made money. I got, you know. and But to them, that's not scary. No, because it's the monotony of life that's yeah. making that happen. Yeah. Whereas for me, I could have been, like, 
I know that I just treated people badly and yeah. got angry with people for no reason. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting that this sort of autopilot setting isn't is is more prevalent than you expect. Yeah. But this is why we need to talk about this shit. Yeah, because there's so many people that are just like that need help in whatever level. Mm-hmm. Like seeing this counselor, I put off counseling for ages because I was yeah. just like, "This is silly. I don't need that." Yeah. Um, okay, so hang on. With with an interest into obviously helping people, how did you get into getting a counselor? Like, what what did so, you what kind of path did you take? I chatted to Charlotte. Yep. Um, because. At that stage, still no job. I'm on JSA, whatever. I can't afford anything. Yeah. Uh, what do I do? And she said, there's a group called Linden Listening Ears. Okay. It's a little bit of a waiting list, but they're free. And the guy I'm seeing, he's doing the course to be one. Right. And on that course, you have to do a placement. And you have to do 100 hours with clients. And I'm one of those people. And last session that I had, he was like, you are my 100th hour. So I have done my placement now. Magic. Um, so, and this is where it gets really interesting. So halfway through doing the counselling, I was like, how, I asked him, how are you doing this? And he explained what I just said. And I was like, so I could do that. And I had this thought of, as you're saying, like artists keep doing this Mm because they're dealing with all these really big, heavy issues, but there's no one to talk to. Mm. So I was chatting to a friend of mine and they have OCD but a lot of their artwork is pattern-based, and it kept on triggering the OCD. Mm -hmm. So they went to see a counsellor, and they were like, don't do any more art. Which is not helpful. No, not to an artist. (laughs) Like, just draw something else. Yeah. Great. Um, So I messaged the woman who's in charge of the course, and went, I'm interested. Mm -hmm. And she was, uh, I want to be a counsellor specifically for artists. Not art therapy, Mm. but... If an artist is trying to, like, let's say, I don't know, fictional person wants to do a show on child abuse because that happened to them. Yeah. They need someone to help in that process because you can't just sit in a room and, like, yeah. write, draw, whatever, child abuse every single day and without that affecting affect you. you. Yeah, yeah. So that's my plan. And okay. they were like, this sounds really cool. We're going to help you get on that course. They, they sorted it all out. Like, immediately I got an email back going, you're on it, which is remarkable. Like, after a year of no one basically giving me any help. Yeah. Like, people were helping me as friends or whatever, but yeah, in terms yeah, of yeah. occupationally, like, JSA did nothing. No. Um, so, out of the blue, this woman's just like, yeah, you're on the course and we're fine. You do that. So, now I'm training to be a counsellor. Nice. Um, and that's where the focus is going at the moment. Yeah. Pushing that, towards that, teaching. Yeah. And then if I do want to write something, I'm writing when I want to and not going, by March, I need to have a play out. By this point, I need to do an interactive experience at Vice Co. Then at this point, we're going to do this because mm-hmm. it wasn't fun. It was a job. Yeah. And that's, that's it's finding that balance into it, if, if where you kind of like, once it's gone past the point of I'm, I'm actually enjoying what I'm doing. I think that's like one of the main complaints I read once about bands. You get a lot of bands and musicians who are like, yeah, we're playing, we're in a band, we want to make music. And then halfway through a tour, they're like, this just isn't fun. Yeah. It's not what we thought it was going to be. And it's like, well, no, because after a certain while, it's a job. And you've got to kind of go back and refine yourself. And kind of, and that's why huge bands always have that, like, grey period. 
like in the middle where everything goes wrong. Yeah. Every single band has that way. Like everything's going wrong. It's like, oh yeah, because we stopped at some point realizing we were doing this because we enjoy doing it. We, we need to go back yeah. and capture that. I was reading an article about Earl's old sweatshirt. Oh, yeah. I can't remember his real name. I, I have no idea what his I know him as Earl's sweatshirt. Because he doesn't want to be that anymore. Yeah. Because the name overwhelmed him. Yeah. I was reading it and just going, yeah. Um, like, it completely taken over his life. Yep. It represented more than he did. He couldn't be a person. Yeah. Uh, the work that he was making was commercial, he felt. Uh, he wasn't experimenting as much because he felt like he had to keep producers and everything happy. Mm-hmm. So he's just stopped and he now just lives in this little house and he's working on new stuff and he's just like, yeah, because I want it. Yeah. And I don't care what it is. And it's not going to be under Earl Sweatshirt. It's going to be my name. Yeah. I'm going back to my roots. I'm talking to my family again and all this stuff. And I was just like, yeah, yeah. do that. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> You did the thing, which everyone kind of wants to do. But yeah, yeah. Because you do glorify, like, the when you read about, like, I don't know, Hunter S. Thompson, yeah. like, going batshit insane, and you're like, I want to be that guy. And then you are that guy, and breakdowns aren't fun, yeah. and they make you a horrible person. And no one told me that. Well, actually, everyone told me that repeatedly, <laughs> and I ignored it. no one told you that, it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody suggested to you that this wasn't probably this the way you want to go. <laughs> you know, I, I think who was that on? I think it was uh, Liz Thomas. Had on. We were on about the whole idea of like when you submerge yourself in an idea, and I was like, the fact that I keep a full time job is what keeps me keeps me sane. Yeah, it's like if I didn't have that full time job and I was able to do art all the time at this stage where I am and the kind of stuff I'm making, I'd be dead within a year. Yeah, I can guarantee it. It'd just be one of those things. It's like that whole thing is just like, yeah, you got to look from the outside and go, that's probably not a great idea at some point. Cause, yeah, and that's how, that's exactly how I felt last year, Yeah, especially. I know that I'd been bad well before then because like even on the last podcast when my hair's like how it was and everything, mm-hmm. I convinced myself that the reason why it was like that was to be a rebel to make people uncomfortable, like the outsider art thing. Yeah. But actually it was just, I can't be asked to comb my hair and like yeah. I was not doing any of that shit yeah um, and that's the reason why I looked god awful not because I wouldn't say god awful <laughs> but <laughs> I can appreciate your sense of it, where you're coming from <laughs> um, but it just got it just got worse and worse yeah. like um, but yeah like the last year in terms of like submerging myself completely yeah. I was I consciously went I'm gonna go down this rabbit hole yeah. I'm gonna see where this goes I'm gonna see where it ends up and it ends in disassociating and a breakdown. Like, <laughs> don't go there. <laughs> Historically, it ends in the suicide. <laughs> and that's kind of... I think I discussed this with someone else when I was coming up to the whole 27 thing. It might have been you who was discussing with and that whole idea of like, yeah, because those artists at that time were just doing nothing but that. Yeah. And then, yeah, around that time they go. Yeah, 28 now, so I can't do that. Yeah. Didn't do the thing. I'm coming up to 30. So I've kind of got a benchmark. 35 is my next one. 35. Mine's 40. 30 never bothered me. Like, never bothered me. Until last year. Yeah. <laughs> and then I had my birthday, and I was sat, and I fucking hate them both for this. So I, like, never bothered me. Hadn't even thought about it. Turning 29, everything's good, you know. Uh, sat in a bar with my brother and his mate, and we were like, oh, shit, yeah, I turned 30 next year. And they both went, ooh. I was like, what? <laughs> it's like you don't think it'll bother you but it'll bother you and then from that point on I've been in my brain I'm like shit I turn 30 next year 
<laughs> what do I do? What do I even do now? <laughs> the same. Yeah. Just... No, I'm aiming for forty. That's... I feel like once I get past thirty-five, I won't like. Part of me wants to either be younger than I am now, just a tad, <laughs> like like twenty-five forever, okay. or like seventy. Yes. You don't want to go through your, your midlife crisis. Yeah. Yeah. You want to, yeah, that's you exactly want, it. You want yeah. to jump that <laughs> and, then <realize> <laughs> and be old. I just skip that. And it's like, it doesn't matter anymore because I'm 70 and everything's broken. <laughs> yeah. I just want to be that old guy. Like, what? Get off my lawn. May I play? There's a real, like, there's an absolute comfort with being old, I think. Like, obviously, you know, being young is great. You can do everything. The world is your oyster. And then you get to your 20s and you have all of that broken. Because that's what you do in your 20s. You yeah. break everything. And then you get to your 30s and you're like, cool, 30s I can do. 30s to 40s, seems like no problem. If I don't get married in that time, don't have kids, don't get the job I want, doesn't matter. I can do that when I'm 40 to 50. And then, But then in your head you're like, hang on a minute, I watched my parents go through the 40s and 50s. <laughs> and that wasn't fun. <laughs> it's like you're kind of always thinking, I wonder if I could just skip that bit and maybe just go from 40 to 70. And then everything's just done. And it doesn't matter if I failed. Yeah. Because I'm 70, and I won't give a shit. But you can't. <laughs> but you can't. Sadly. Because time is linear. It is. How dare it. I mean, if it was cyclical, I'd probably... I'd, I don't think I could handle cyclical. I don't want to be young. I've never wanted to be young. It's been a thing since I was, like, 13. When I was 13, I wanted to be 20. Yeah. So that's all I wanted. I always felt similar. Like, I always felt like I was a little bit older than everyone that I was around. Less yeah. so now, which is interesting. Um, I feel ancient at the minute because everyone I hang around with is in their twenties, <laughs> and I'm just like sat there going, "Fuck's sake, I'm going to turn 30. I've got like two friends who are older than me. I'm like, oh. is that times. <laughs> <laughs> but well, this is the thing though. Like a lot of people I meet go, "Oh, you know, I miss the uni days. Yeah, I miss being 19, 20. And I'm like, "Why?" And I just I can't comprehend it. Like I enjoyed that time, but the person I was back then. I'd hate. I think that's the key thing. When people say it was great when I was in my 20s, mm. they're applying their current selves to their younger selves. So it's like, yeah, of course being 20 would be great if that mind of you being 30 was in your 20-year-old body doing 20-year-old things. Yeah. Of course it would be, because you know more. You know the stupid shit you're going to do. Yeah. So, yeah. Of course it looks great now. Because you're like, I made myself... I got through it. I yeah. survived that period of time, regardless of what happened. But you can only know it was great in retrospect. I mean, at the time... You could have been bored out of your mind. Yeah. You know? And that's why you were doing everything. And that's why you, you could do everything, was just to do that. I heard a thing on the... Um, what was it? I got in the car the other day. I just turned on radio. I think it was like Radio 1 or some jazz. Um, and there was a guy talking about the old music they used to make. Yeah. And he was like, a lot of people have a real hard time showing off their old work because they look back on it and they go, that was terrible. You know, I've, I've come so far since then. I've learned so much. He was like, as a musician, as an artist, you learn things every day. You know, every gig you go to, you learn something new tech-wise so that will make your next album sound nicer. You learn something setup-wise. You learn how to work an audience. So obviously, everything you look back on is, is terrible compared to your new stuff. And I find it interesting when artists, what they do and don't hide of their old work. 
Because yeah. I'm terrible for it. I will destroy my old work. <sighs> like, physically destroy my old work. Because I look back on... Like, some bits I'll keep, which I'll be like, yeah, that worked. You know, For the yeah. time it was, that worked. But a lot of it gets destroyed. Like, two weeks ago or so, I, I burnt, like, five sketchbooks. Just because, like, I don't need these. Don't need these. Don't want to remember them. They're gone. And I and then, again, yeah, this is the thing. Like, a lot of us, it makes them hugely uncomfortable. I'm like, yeah, nah, man. I, I'm destroying that. I don't want it anymore. I keep everything I can. I'm actually annoyed recently because some stuff has disappeared from drive to drive as mm-hmm. I've gone through laptops. Yeah. And I can't find a load of old stuff. And I quite like the idea of people seeing, reading, whatever, my crap. Because mm-hmm. the process of doing it is as important to me as the actual thing itself. So yeah. if someone reads it and goes, well, this is shit. I'm like, yeah, but just keep reading. Yeah. Read everything like done. And that's a whole other meta story that you yeah. can read. Um, like first novel is a existential crisis. Second novel is a bit more hopeful. This novel's... Yeah, yeah. doing this then I did this like oh that's how you were feeling yeah, yeah. so if I got rid of any of that stuff that whole story disappears yeah um, but then it doesn't in a way because you still contain that story it, it, it exists in me yeah and that's the bit <clears throat> as well I need to get used to yeah because it, it just became ego yeah um, I was chatting to Andy recently as well and he was just like oh your ego's gone like in the conversation we're having, it hasn't gone completely, obviously, because I still want everyone to love everything I do and to yeah. Having a like, bit of ego is healthy, though. But how it felt was it was like it's like you have an engine in you, mm-hmm. and before the engine produced ego, and I was shoving everything else into it, sense of self, art, and it made ego, and that was what was powering me. Mm-hmm. Whereas now I feel like I have an engine that's just powering me, mm-hmm. and ego goes into it. It doesn't. <clears throat> change the fact that I am an egomaniac at times, but it's a part of the fuel, not yeah. the product at the end, which is yeah. all it was. Yeah. Um, uh, I have a point. I've completely forgotten it. Um, but yeah, like the, the idea of the story existing in me, yeah. I find difficult because the ego part of me is like, no, everyone needs to read it and everyone needs to see it and right, everyone okay. needs to make a comment on it and put, yeah, like, yeah. isn't it exciting that Nathan yeah. did this journey? Like... Um, See, I was, there was, I can't remember which artist it was, there was a, there's an artist who, who basically created a bonfire of their artwork at one point in their career, and I can't quite remember who it was. Um, I want to say Vivian Westwood, but she didn't, she no, burned her punk collection. it was a photographer at some point, and he, he burnt like film, burnt, burnt all the negatives, burnt everything, just a huge bonfire, um, and then kind of got discovered in like his 50s and 60s. And there's like, there's no record. Like, we have these final pieces from your early days, but we have no record of right. kind of thing. Um, and I always think this when, like, going around museums and, and things. Like I've been to the Darling Museum. I've been to see Picasso's early work and all these sketchbooks, which were filled with all this stuff, which was to do with his mistresses and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just, like, looking around it, and I'm like, this is interesting. This is hugely interesting. I never want to have this exhibition of my work. I never want to have it that... If I became huge and then died, that someone would go into my house and collect all find stuff. a sketchbook and be like, oh, here's this random drawing which you did, and we're going to put it here, and it's important. I'm like, no, because as the artist, I decide what was important. Right, okay. <laughs> because the story's internal, that dies with me. I'm having to talk about it, 
I'm happy to talk to people about my story and explain to them and give them life lessons and yeah. say how we came through it. But that bit wasn't for you. That bit was for me. Mm. I'll take it to my grave with me. You can look at the rest. <laughs> Do whatever the fuck you want. You can look rest. at the rest is the name of your exhibition. <laughs> you can look at the rest. Like, just, just walk in. You can look at the rest. I like that, but I'm definitely the other way around. Yeah. No, everyone Because in my head, when I, when I die, I'm not important anymore. So you do what you want. Like, See, I'm only important if I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's, that's the way I think it. If that's why. Oh, no, no, I can't get my head around that. Like that, like that is literally the opposite of. Like, okay. So the way I'd explain it is this: like the way one of the main problems I have with like publicizing anything I do. Oh, and, and I and why I, I I can't take credit for bits I do, even when I should, even when I'm meant to. You yeah. want to be like, you know, I've got a book coming out this year at some point. Even when I have to be like, this is what I did. <laughs> I'm like, this isn't important. That's important. I'm not important. So fucking ignore me. Pay attention. To yeah, the art's definitely more yeah. important. Than, yeah. yeah. So yeah. when I'm dead, that's when I'm important. Because I'm not around to make that anymore. Ooh. So that can't exist without me. So all you've got is what's left. So if I decide what's left, you uh. get exactly what you want. And that's why, like, okay. like with, um, who was it, Terry Pratchett, who had his assistant destroy yeah. his hard drive. Yeah. I'm like, that's what I'd, I'd want more. I'd, I'd want, essentially, I'd happy have people destroy my artwork after I died. Oh, that should be Imagine encouraging your audience to go, when I'm dead, go into a museum and burn my painting. Because as soon as that disappears as well, you're also losing bits of me. So if you and call then there'll it, be nothing. Call it, you can have what's left. <laughs> you can have what's left. <laughs> and it's, they decide what's left. Yeah. And they, they go like, nah, not that. Yeah. And then some other people turn up and set it on fire and put it in a thing. You can find the rubble, you decide what you want to keep. I the like rest that. of it's just dead. <laughs> I think we, it's interesting that we both agree that the art is the thing. Yes. It's like, I get, I've got a copy of It by Stephen King. Yes. And it goes, It. Stephen King! And I'm like, no. No, this book, no. Where was I the other day? I was in a bookstore the other day, and it was something like, it was by, who was it, who was it by? Some, like, pseudo-celebrity. No, fucking Tom Hanks. Right. Tom Hanks has a book out. Watstones. His name is bigger than the title on the cover. Yeah. And I was like, this is your first book, Tom Hanks. Or the first book which I'm aware of you done. Yeah. And it was like, written by Tom Hanks. Whatever the name of it. Yeah, I hate it. I hate it. And Stephen, like with the Stephen King one, especially, like you're big enough. Yeah. For you to put the title of your book in bigger, like they literally put the it of it. Yeah. In the bit of one of the letters, like it's very well designed. Like whoever did it is a really good job. But still, no. If your title is literally embedded in one of the letters of your name, I feel like Stephen King's type gets bigger every book. Until eventually his book will just have Stephen King on it. Yeah. But then, in a way, with Stephen King, that's the point. Because his is like, it's meant to be this mark of approval. It's like, it's a Stephen King. I don't think Stephen King is very good. I've only read two of his books. I've read Misery and The Shining. I've read Rose Madder, All of the Dark Tower, some of it, but I got bored. Yeah. Because really... a pterodactyl turns up and he's like, "It's scary, isn't it?" And I was like, "No." <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a it's a dense book, that like a really dense book. 
And bits are amazing. Yeah. Like, his childhood, when he's writing about that, yes. But when it's like, he's the master of horror, it's like, yeah, but this section had a multicolored pterodactyl chase a kid down a road, and that's hilarious and not terrifying. Why has anyone given this man the moniker of King of Horror? Like, but then with Stephen King, so like Stephen King, I think he's a he's a great example of an artist mm. who does nothing but what he does. <clears throat> like, because obviously the amount he produces, yeah, is ridiculous. You know, the man writes a novel a year, and it'll be a, it'll be a thick, dense novel. It'll make sense. It'll just, you know, and that's his compulsion. Yeah, just like tapping away, and if he hadn't made it big. He'd just be an artist who went down the hole of trying to write, trying mm. to write constantly because that's his itch, he's got a scratch, and then not being able to fulfill it. And like at one point, I know he had a drinking problem. Yeah. And he had all this kind of stuff. And it's, First book of the Dark Tower, yeah. he can't remember writing. Yeah. And it's like, that's that's the hole. And he's, but because he managed to kind of like find that balance, find his solutions, and kind of go through whatever he went through to come through that. I mean, mm. I'm not his biographer, so I have no idea about his life. But yeah, he's kind of like one of those like bastion examples I see. I'm like looking at it like, yeah, that's that's essentially what you should aim for. Yeah. But obviously don't at some point just put no title on your book and just put Stephen King. Or maybe do. Maybe call it Stephen King. Stephen King by Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> It'd just be about this monster who writes. <laughs> like all Stephen King stories are that. A man who has a wife either dies or is in a car accident, goes yep. somewhere privately where he is haunted by either his own book, a ghost, his ex-wife. Um, like, you can just apply that to everything. But that's a, yeah, you, that's a good point. Like, he's definitely the, the archetype for exactly that. But it does make me wonder whether artists can then only survive if they either become big or have a distraction. I mean, in a way, yeah. I, I think I'd, I'd, I'd completely agree with that. I think you kind of, as an artist, you have three lines of path. You either... And this is it's like one of those sad facts of most artists in the world. If you either... You start off, you figure out how you want to make art. You figure out you want to express yourself, and then you figure out a format you want to do it. In. And you either keep plugging away at it until you become a success. And you take all of that with it. You like take everything which could come with that with it. And then you might become a success. There's a, there's a slim percent chance. Or you keep plugging away at it. And then one day you realize that you're not making anything anymore. Because you, you've just made life. Mm. You know, you've got a job. You've got your, your house, your car, whatever you want to do. So you're making money. And then you go, you know what, maybe I don't need to make art anymore. And that, that to me, that's the sadder part. Yeah. And then there's the other side of it, which is... You know, you start making art, you keep plugging, you try plugging, and then when you realise you can't do any more, then you end it. Or you die because of the things you've tried to keep going. Yeah. And that's, to me, that's less sad. But that's my way of looking at life. No, I... It's like, to me, that's less sad than accepting that you don't need to make anymore because you can just do your job. Because you tried making, and then you were like pushing yourself to such exhaustion that you, you died trying. Yeah. Which is not the healthy way to do it. No. And and I, would, I wouldn't suggest that to anybody. No. But to me, I'm like, you got to go out on a blaze of fire. <laughs> yeah. But these are the tricky, these are the bits where I feel like being a counsellor for artists would help. Yeah. Because To convince you people not have... to go out on a blaze of fire. <laughs> or, or rather just to accept that that is a thing. Yeah. 
but it's what you do with that information. Because yeah. I completely agree with everything you've said, but at the same time also know that I now have to apologise to a lot of people because of that fire, which wasn't a fire, it was just me being a dick. Yeah. But, but I still agree, because one of the big things I've been talking to a counsellor about now, now that I am working again, and I'm not writing, yeah. like I've started doing some poems and stuff recently, but it's just like, you know, sketching essentially. Mm-hmm. It's not a full production or whatever. And I said to him, like, first day I came here, my fear was is that you would change me into someone I don't want to be. Mm-hmm. And I suddenly leave, like, I don't know, like, uh, I'm going to be a vegan now, and I believe that everyone is special and lovely, and I'm going to get a job and a dog and all mm-hmm. of this stuff, and I'm just going to become so normal that I it hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to be that guy. And then... Since that time, I've got a job, and I'm more stable, and I can just sit and watch Netflix and relax, which I couldn't do. Like, I had, like, just two years of just not even... If I was watching a film and enjoying it, I'd feel bad because I wasn't working. Yeah, I do that. Um, Which is silly. It's so silly, because you are working. It's madness. You kind of, like, even when you you look at it, you're like, yeah, this is madness. Why do I feel bad about this? Yeah. Yeah. Those rest periods is working. Yeah. A runner doesn't run... 200% 200% of the time, they sit down and they have a, the meal that helps with the whatever. Yep. Like, you have to stop yep. to then keep going. Um, but, um, again, I've lost my train of thought. That happens. That's why we do an hour and a half. <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, like, that yep. was it. Like, yep. I've done that so much. It's because I was out. I was out drinking. Yep. Like, that's, that's all it is. I'm hungover. That's um, like, it's a good combination to be like, I need to apologise for my previous actions. Meanwhile, I also I got blind <laughs> drunk last night. Um, yeah, like, I, I, I was saying to him, like, I'm terrified of becoming that guy. And that's your second path guy hmm. of, I don't need to make art anymore. Yeah. Which is, that just is painful. And I know that I'm kind of doing that at the moment. I went back to him and I said, I said I never wanted to be that guy and I'm happy and contented and I don't need to make art anymore. God damn it. What did you do to me? I can relax. Um, I'm happy with myself. Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> like, I can't I mean, make anything anymore. That's the thing. I mean, like, because, yeah, there's, there is a level of... So as much as I, I find that, like, the saddest path to go, I think there's some, in a way, there's some jealousy of it. Mm. I definitely have some jealousy of it, of watching people who can just be content. Yeah. Like, there was, there was, so as a teenager, my main, my main driving force to do anything as a teenager was to look at my cousins, go, I don't like your life. You represent everything which I don't want to be. So I'm not going to be you, you know. You've got kids, you got yeah. married, you work in you know supermarket. I'm like, fuck that. That, that's exactly what I don't want, so I'll never do that. Yeah. And then at the same time, you're like, yeah. But imagine if you could be comfortable doing that. Imagine if that, imagine if that was enough. I think the most important bit of that isn't the two kinds of life, but the fact that you started your life going, I don't want to be you. That doesn't, that's not you going, I know who I am. Hmm. If you live your entire life based on, I don't want to be that guy, you're yeah. not being yourself. Yeah. And that's, that's even harder. Like, if yeah. you're being an artist simply because you don't want to be, I don't know, your mum, your best mate, or whatever, yeah. then you're not being you organically and truthfully yeah. as an artist. Yeah. 
And I feel like when I started doing art, it was for the right reasons. Yeah. And then I slowly just started doing it just to manifest a mythology that was just detrimental to me and everyone around me. Mm-hmm. And also wasn't true. Yeah. It was like when, when I started feeling better again, it was like myself had come back and he was like, you enjoy watching shit films. Yeah. And you've not done that for God knows how many years. Watch Batman vs. Superman right now. Yeah. Like, and don't get angry that it's bad. Enjoy the punching and the lasers. Yeah. And I was like, I'm enjoying the punching and the lasers in yeah. this film. Why did I stop? Why did I have to be like, no, yeah. I can only watch Sean Luke Godard now. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, you can do both things. You yeah fucking idiot like <laughs> it's like there's nothing wrong with stimulating that part of your brain which enjoys things <laughs> it's like on some level we need to you know you need to make yourself happy in the same way of like sex and everything like that at some point you need to have a wank so your brain <laughs> needs to have something which it can come home to and go this is just enjoyment like i don't know why i enjoy this yeah there's just something really satisfying about watching this and and yeah you've got to do that like, definitely yeah and it's just not, like, to continue the wanking metaphor, well, you can't just, well, or, why not? or literally, <laughs> like, you can't just sit and wank endlessly, <laughs> because then you're going to accomplish nothing. Yes. But at the same time, you can't never not yeah. wank ever. Yeah. Because then... But then that's the other side of the trap, isn't it? So it's like, you've got one side where you, you make constantly. You, yeah. You do all the things. And you're like, yes, this is life. And then you die doing it. Yeah. And then the other side is that I do nothing, but I'm, I pleasure myself constantly. But I don't do anything. <laughs> and then I'm just going to die. And it's like, what have you done all your life? I'm like, well, I'm not happy about pleasuring myself anymore. Because that's become my addiction now. <laughs> you know? So I'm, I'm going to die yeah. sad. But I've spent my entire life living. <laughs> yeah. You've not spent living, because all you've done is just pleasure yourself. Which is why everyone wants to be old, because you, you want to get to that point where everything's done, and you can go, I can spend the next 20 years just doing myself. <clears throat> Except you're old, so nothing works. <laughs> I never imagined that this conversation would begin with me going, I've been a terrible person, and I want to talk about mental health, and it end with a wanking metaphor. That was never going to be... Oh, I mean, it was definitely on the table. <laughs> <laughs> um... I mean, it does look. There's a there's a previous podcast I did about. Um, it was it was actually discussing how I create work, and it was just it was productive masturbation. Yeah. And yeah. You know, all, all artists things. are just like it's massive wankers. Yeah. yeah. And massive wankers. Yeah, exactly. Yes. That's the truth. Of them. <laughs> yeah. It's like every piece of work is a self-portrait. Yeah. Or whatever the quote is. Like. That's what disturbs me about graphic design. Oh. Yeah. I love graphic design. I can't make graphic design. And graphic designers scare me. Because you look at it and you're like... So... I don't even know how... <clears throat> how is this part of you? Because I can't see it. Like, it's the type of artwork I just can't... Because then even when you meet them, and you talk to them, you're like, this is nothing like you. All you've done is... I don't get it. I just... Yeah. It's too clean. In a way. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, Jewish rugs, they've got a special name, I can't remember what it is. They have to put an imperfection in them. Yes. Um, to, so that they don't make something better than God, it's something along those lines. Um, and it's those little imperfections that are tells for you as an artist. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, as you're saying, like if you've got something that's just beautiful, meant to be perfect. Like what? I'd never thought of that. Also, because I'd never really put graphic design and art in the same box, which is wrong. Like not actively, it's not like you're not an artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it would never have crossed my mind. Um, because I just see it as marketing and anyone who like works in advertising should li- watch Bill Hicks and kill yourself and kill yourself yeah, um, yeah there's, there's some adverts of a Lincoln advertising company and they keep popping up on my feed and every <laughs> single time they come up I just want to put that video on the bottom of every <laughs> single one of their videos see, um, in a way though that does, I love the sycophantic part of advertising because I'm like you're very clearly methodically minded mm. and the people you've got creating this work probably aren't but they're comfortable doing it like Sachi and Sachi yeah like everyone's like yes amazing curators of art it's like no no they've tricked everyone it's past that now <laughs> like maybe when they began they're money launderers but they're, they're now yeah they do this and yeah because that's what um, I think we may have even talked to before that's what disturbs me about like uh, Damien Hurst's work now like, I love Damien Hurst <clears throat> One of my main kind of idols as a teenager, because the man cuts animals in half. Yeah. You know, as a gothy teenager. How could you not love that? Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then you kind of, you go and see kind of his dot paintings. And you're like, these are incredible. You know, it's the merging of graphic design and art and meticulous. And, like, and someone comes along and goes, yeah, but he didn't paint it. And my brain goes, ooh, I don't like that. <laughs> this is why I don't like Warhol now. Okay. Because I feel like... I mean, he's not still making work. But, but no, <laughs> but I feel like he opened the door yeah. that made art consumable and not and then out of that we get the Jeff Koonses of the world and things who yeah. they can die in a fire like you don't like he vote Coons voted for Brexit and then gets all of these people to make his art for him and he doesn't do anything he yeah. then reaps the reward and then moves them all to Portugal or wherever he's moving them to yeah. like no just yeah. you're not an artist you're, you're a business yeah um and I hate it. And I feel like when Warhol rocked up with the factories, like the name alone, and uh, print work, mm-hmm. so that you can just make 400 of something straight away, and uh, I'm going to put celebrity culture into art, and I'm going to make these people meet, and I'm going to do that. Lots of amazing things came out of it as well. Yeah. And I don't think it's... I don't, I'm not angry with him, because I don't think that was his plan, but I feel yeah. like he opened that door to a load of other people going, oh, holy shit, we can just sell art. Rather than sell art, yeah, we can make this uh, an institution of its own right, away from the artists. Yeah, and then other artists went, "Oh yeah, I can do that as well." Yeah, I can just take other things and, <clears throat> and put it under my own moniker, and that'll be that thing from now on. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's it, Warhol's one of those interesting ones of I never was interested in, just didn't didn't particularly inspire me as the yeah. work. I'd seen it, I'd seen it up close. And I was like, eh, it's okay. But again, I saw it as graphic design. And my brain just kind of switched off at it. Yeah. And then you learn about the factory. And you learn about everything which kind of went on. And there's like, there's a, there's the beauty to it of what he was making. Of him going, we could do this. And it's everything art shouldn't be. And that's kind of the point. And that's everything which we want it to be. Yeah. And again, there's that, that part of me who looks at like modern stuff like that and goes, this is amazing. Because this shouldn't exist. Yeah, yeah. It technically shouldn't exist. You found a way to commercialise art. That's incredible. 
and yeah. so I can't hate it. It's the same as this advertising company. Like I watch the videos and I'm like, you're a, like you're so smart. Yeah. You you evidently know what you're doing. Yeah. Whether what you're telling me is true or not is irrelevant because you're convincing me it's true. Yeah. So you're an amazing advertising company, but yeah. Bill Hicks, and then. Uh, same with these guys like Warhol is a genius because he did something that no one else had done Yeah. but I just don't think it ended up being the best like postmodernism and all that sort of stuff afterwards is just the reason why we're a mess right now do you think having come through the last two years mm. let's say you went through the last two years and now you were you were getting big mm. like someone had taken everything you'd done and gone cool <clears throat> This is Nathan's brand. Eyes and sexy. Yeah. Let's blow it up. Let's do this big. We can push it. We can make it into a business. And we can do everything like that. And you know what? Oh, man, damn, damn. He can only write four plays a year. We bring on four more writers. And we write 12 plays a year. Yep. Do you think you'd be comfortable with that? Or do you think you'd want to walk away from that? In a way, I would be very comfortable with that. Because that's kind of what the new model's going to do. Yeah. Because... Because we're going to be more of an art collective, one of the things that we want to be able to do is anyone can submit a form to us with, we want to work on this. And then mm. if we have the funds and the right guy to help you out, then we'll help you put it on. Because I look at Art Isn't Sexy and I go, we've got 500 followers. We've got this, they've got a new guy called Alex doing all our social media and he's like nailing it. Um, and all of this stuff. And then you'll meet someone and be like, I want to do a play and I'm going to set up my own theatre company and I'm going to do this. It's like, yeah, but why don't you just use our social media page because we've got 500 followers rather than you having to start with 20 and build it all up. Just mm-hmm. use our thing. We'll just do it. Like, you do, you make it. Yeah. Just put this little logo on it because it's not, I don't want it to be mine anymore. Yeah. I want it to be anyone's. Yeah. So I actually don't really mind with the idea of AIS becoming that. Yeah. But if someone said, we're going to make Nathan Dean a brand... Yeah. Then I'd have more of a problem with it. Do you think you'd ever be comfortable... Because this, this is one which I always find interesting. Do you think you'd ever be comfortable with having your face on something? Because what? obviously... So like, so like with Warhol. Obviously made right. portraits. Musicians. Regardless of what they make, the majority of their merchandise will be a photograph of them. Especially solo artists. You know, you go to Primark. It's just full of people's faces. Yeah. Advertising, it's full of people's faces, you know, Che Guevara t-shirts, Andre the Giant t-shirts, you know. Yep. Do you think, because this is something which I don't think I'd ever get used to, is the idea of looking up to a billboard and seeing, and seeing me. Yeah. Whereas some people love that idea. They, they, there's like part of them is like, yes, because that means, that means I'm where I want to be. Yeah. I've wanted to be there my whole life and that's where I want to be. That terrifies me. The yeah. idea of people knowing who I am. That's fucking awful. Yeah. Throw a I, tail up there. Happy. But me. <laughs> I'm definitely torn because the ego part of me would love it. Yeah. And then the other part of me is agreeing with you in that, no, I don't want anyone to know who I am. Mm-hmm. No. But that's because of the self-deprecating part, which is like, I'm not a huge fan of me. Yeah. Like, I don't want my face to be up on a billboard because it's not the best face as well. Like, it's just, you know, that kind of self-deprecating stuff. But on the flip side, I would love for a magazine to, like, go, hey, we want to interview you and we're going to do, like, this really nice spread of photos so I'm going to make you look really cool and then we're going to ask you all these questions and all yeah. that and we're going to do, like, a three-page spread on you. Like, yeah, go yeah. for it. Because yeah. I love talking about me. Yeah. Um, I think I prefer the idea of being written about than photographed. Yeah. 
Definitely. Like, I'm happy for someone to write about me. Or have my name somewhere. That's fine. Not maybe like Stephen King style. Maybe. <laughs> my, my name's way too long. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, this, the definite, like, that visible part just really disconnects me. Yeah. <clears throat> when it comes to making art. I think the, the, the problem that I'm facing is that I know that ego was a big problem with me before yes. and was one of the reasons why everything got how it was so you don't want to fall back into that so i don't want it like that's the biggest fear for me at the moment yeah like last night when i was out drinking i can't remember getting back so i'm messaging like lewis going did i do anything awful yeah <clears throat> because the last time i got that drunk it was on my birthday and i just started crying because it's my birthday and you can cry if you want to now. Um, but I was really worried that something like that had happened again. Yeah. So I was like, I can't remember getting at home. I don't know how, what happened. Yeah. That's just me being an idiot and drinking too much and mixing. Um, but yeah, I was really worried. And he was like, no, you were fine. You just vanished after a while. Mm. Um, but now, every time I am a dickhead. Yeah. Because just, just because I'm content and seeing a counsellor doesn't stop me from fucking up. No. But now I don't know, like, am I fucking up? Or am I going back down that rabbit hole again and I'm yeah. overanalyzing every bad thing that I do yeah like the biggest thing that I've learned for myself which I'm sure everyone already knew is everyone is going to do shitty things yeah. that's unavoidable it what makes you a bad person isn't that you do bad things it's what you do after that mm. you're gonna upset people at the absolute extreme you're gonna be a racist misogynist whatever you're going to fuck up. Mm -hmm. It's whether after that you go, I'm going to account for that, I'm going to take responsibility, and I'm going to do the next thing. Mm -hmm. um, which is why I then wanted to say stuff now. But then the irony of that is then we move on to chatting about artists and their face and their name, and it's like, I want people to... I like talking about me. Yeah. So it's like, does it then make it less sincere if I'm going like, I'm sorry, I. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, <laughs> Did you see how well I did? Like, I don't think so, because to me... so. <laughs> the way what I take from it is kind of the way you look at it is because you you obviously went through what you went through when you come out the other side of it at some it's a, at some extent you can get to a point where you do shit things and you don't even need to say sorry mm. because people already know people are already like no that's a mistake it happened I know them as a person they'll feel bad about it yeah so you don't even need to broach it it's that kind of thing of like so, like, yeah. as, as an extreme, like, if I went on a night out and I punched somebody in the face or got into, like, a tussle with someone, yeah, I've never done that. I don't feel like I'd probably have to apologise. I would apologise, but I get the feeling that my friends would be like, don't worry about it. Yeah, if I heard that you beaten a guy up outside yeah. home or something, I'd be like, well, that guy was evidently a dickhead yeah. then. Something happened, something was not right on that night. Either they went wrong or I broke. <clears throat> so you can look at it and go... No, that's that's just a mistake. Yeah. Whereas if you're consistently doing mistakes and consistently being shit, someone's be like, no, that's that's them. That's what they do. So by going through that transition, you kind of come out the other side and go, I'm going to make amends for everything I've done. And if I make mistakes in the coming coming months, I'm going to keep making amends. So then you create this new impression of yourself. Yeah. So the people who know you are like, no. You'd feel bad if you did something wrong. Yeah. And even when you say, like, make amends, I am fine if someone that does listen to this goes, yeah, and I was one of the people that he was a dick to, mm -hmm. and I do not accept that. Yeah. Fine. That's, like, yeah. you get to decide that stuff. 
It's like when people get angry on the bigger scale, when people like, oh, well, that was so historic, that terrible thing. They can't bring that up now. Like, yeah, I can. Yeah, it happened. It, it, one of those things happens. So yeah. You kind of, you remember it. I mean, I'm the worst for that. There's, the best example I can give for that is, um, so I don't talk to anyone I went to senior school with. Mainly because I imagine everyone I went to senior school with never got past being at senior school. Like, as a personality. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. you know, it's been 12, 13 years since I was in senior school. Yeah. But the impression I have of them is still what I experienced when I was in senior school. So if they were to come to me and be like, oh, yeah, you know, you want to get a drink or something, I realize a bit of dick back in the day, my brain would be like, no. Because I don't want to sit there and 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 sit there with you. Because yeah. I'm not comfortable with that. And that's that's fine. You, yeah, you don't apologise so that the other person can accept it. Yeah. You apologise, you've done your bit now. Yeah. If they don't accept it or anything else, then you have to take solace in yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't apologise for someone else, you apologise to make yourself feel better. Yeah. Like, it's, it's to redeem yourself. Yeah. If anything still happens after that. Like, I know there are things that I've done that if someone wants to bring that up, like, 20 years down the line and go, actually, no, I'm still not happy. Yeah. Fine. That's your right. Because you know. I did that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you have to atone in some manner. Yeah. By apologising, you make you set a precedent for the future. Which is the other reason why I want to do the counselling thing as well. Yeah. Because that feels like a very active way. I can't judge. Mm-hmm. If I'm sat with someone and they're like, I'm a racist and I want to murder all of the whatever. I have to just be there for that guy. Yeah. Um, and help that person. Yeah. Without any preconceived notions. With all the empathy that I have. Mm-hmm. And it means that I can then go, right, in that room I will use my empathy to help these people. And then I will go home and then I will go back into myself and then I will do this. Yeah. And I feel like that's the best way I can practically manage being a self-centered egomaniac artist. And then at the same time... Yeah. I mean, and just on other practical levels, like, I was getting really fed up with how art in Lincoln is so safe. Oh, definitely. So safe. It's one of my main gripes with Lincoln. (laughs) Like, I'm so proud that so many people are doing some really cool stuff in terms of community engagement and getting people involved and using these spaces, but there's nothing that I find interesting. No. Like, we're making jam. I don't care. Why make something interesting? Yeah. Um... But I can't make them do that. But what I can do is that if I'm their counsellor while they're doing their jam workshop, then I am helping them do the thing. Because those things, I don't want to stop those things happening. Mm -hmm. Because everyone has the right to make whatever they want to make. But at the same time, I want to be able to criticise it and go, nah, that's shit. Yeah. But that's because that's your personal preference. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I I agree with the link. I think I discussed it with um, Shan when she was on the podcast. We both kind of sat there and went, Lincoln's art seems conservative. Yeah. Regardless of how liberal it is, regardless of how separate it is, it's in Lincoln City and it is conservative. It doesn't yeah. matter what you do, it becomes a conservative product. Because, and again, this is goes back to what we are saying about kind of art collectives and art communities, is after a while, people want to make money. And the only way to make money in Lincoln is to have a conservative housing. Yeah. You can. I go an hour down to Nottingham. Yeah. And they've got a group of chaos magicians and witches yeah. making stuff <clears throat> then a punk night then an uh, it's not LGBT it's the other one for black communities uh, it begins with a Q 
Uh, oh, I can never remember these bloody abbreviations. Um, but yeah, they were doing like a zine workshop thing, yeah. and then another one, and I'm like, none of this yeah. happens in Lincoln. So they're going, yeah, but I, I don't want a craft evening. I want something more, and I, I, yeah, I don't even know what I want. I just know I don't want that. Yeah, and that that becomes that becomes the problem of a lot of art collectives. I find if you look at the art collective and you go, yeah, but that's not what I'd want to do. So regardless, even if it's the most edgy thing in the world, that's the problem with getting yeah. everyday people to accept art, is they look at it from the outside and go, yeah, but I, I do want a craft evening. I don't want to watch someone scream at me for six hours. Yeah, and, what, and the problem is is that there isn't the two things. Yeah. There's just the one thing. Yeah. And then when I did do plays, which I felt like were more out there, yeah. I don't know whether they are, because there's no critique afterwards. Yeah. Like, I was filling the room and doing a bizarre play about misogyny or whatever, which I feel like where you're feeling sorry for the twat and whatever. Yeah. And I'm going, I've I've not seen this in Lincoln. Yeah. But then afterwards, I'm like, how did everyone like it? And they're like, yep. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. good, cool, thank you. I have no idea whether it's good now. There's no yardstick in Lincoln. Like, every other city, as you say, like, it has both. It has, you, you kind of, you have either, like, a full art scene. Yeah. And then you have the, the, the industrialised, the, the culture side, which is... You know, Nottingham's got its museums, it's got its fine art galleries where you can spend way too much on paintings and of streets, because apparently people paint streets, yep. never understood it, but <clears throat> that's like one side of it, but then at the same time you're like, cool, but yeah, there's a zine fest over there, Yeah, and it's a big zine fest. Like Surface Gallery, like the, we have the first exhibition of the year is the Postcard Show, which is yep. an adorable show where anyone all over the world can send just a postcard in, and then we swap and sh- uh, share them and whatever. Yeah. Um, and we have like kids just drawing bunny rabbits to people doing full on punk things like to like Trump with like his eye stabbed out or something and then yeah. the next one will just be a swan and it's great yeah but it's the that's the community engagement one that's lovely and accessible and everything yes. else and yes. then after that we'll do like one on skateboarding then we'll yeah. do one on infant mortality then after that we'll do Street yeah. art festival where we're painting on the walls themselves yeah. and everyone's just getting wankered and going out for a party afterwards. Yeah. I know for certain that I will not see that range of stuff in a venue here. No. And it annoys me. Yeah, I think, like, I mean, so um, going back to Null Point, so my idea for this year is I'm putting on an exhibition for Null Point. Cool. My initial idea was to put it on in Lincoln, but like you say, because there is nothing to yardstick it against, especially the way I want to do it, which is essentially anonymous, I'm like, I could put it on and I could get 50 people to go to it. And all 50 people would be like, yeah, I really enjoyed that. And I'll have no idea if that's sincere. Because no one's going to go to it and go, yeah, it was crap. Because everyone's going to go to it. It's like, no, it was different. It was good. It was entertaining because it was different. Yeah. So I'm putting on in Nottingham. I'm going to put it on in Nottingham, find a venue in Nottingham, because I know if I put it in Nottingham, I can probably get 100 people to go to it, and 50 of those will tell me it's shit. Yeah. And be like, good. Because <laughs> you're going to everything else, and you've got a fucking comparison. We have such a problem where there's no gatekeeper for quality, because no one's critiquing it. So no one can grow. Yeah. And instead, you just have a mush. But then I was reading about the New York uh, poetry scene. Okay. Um, there's a punk that's set up this first spoken word nights right um, and he says they're shit now because everyone just gets up on the microphone they say something political that's personal to them but the poem is terrible uh, and everyone applauds yep. for no reason because they don't want to look like the guy that's disagreeing yep. and then uh, that's it 
His reaction to this was to be an idiot and was to write his own terrible poem, uh, which was borderline racist. Yeah. Well done. Instead of trying that to improve it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, I found it interesting that this guy who in, basically invented hmm. spoken word nights is going, yeah, it's just awful now because no one's learning anything and no one's trying to advance form or meter or anything else. I'm like, yeah, I'm seeing the same shit. Because yeah. um, I just thought, again, conservative Lincoln, that's why. Yeah. No, it's apparently across the board that yeah. people are just... I was also thinking, like, this is a generation of people who, when they were at school, told their English teachers how shit learning poetry was. Mm-hmm. And then later on, they go through life and they find poetry again. And then they go, well, I'm just going to do anything I want now. Yeah. Because I'm in charge of my own art. But then at the same time, we're, we're part of the first couple of generations where expression in that format has been so easily accessible. Yeah. And it's like before, like back in, you know, back in New York and the, the early scene when it was being set up, you know, the people you got were people who had spent months writing a poem and they were going to get up and it was going to be the first time anyone has ever seen anything like this. So it was going to be critiqued so heavily anyway. Yeah. Whereas <clears throat> whilst obviously it's a fantastic thing to have art as such the forefront of everything, it means you're going to get a mix. You get such of everything where you look at it and you go, there is nothing I love about this. Mm. That Like to me, that's illustration. You know, illustration is so easy in terms of getting access to the resources you need. You need a pen okay. and a pencil. Yeah. You need, oh, cool, you need to do it digitally now. All right, well, all pads can be drawn on now. So everyone can do it. Everyone can do digital art. Yep. So every, you, that's all you see. You just see so much of it regurgitated out and out and out. And it's very rare you see something which is like, no, that's actually, that's you brilliant. Attention. You've done something which I haven't seen. You've made me think about how you've done it or anything like that. And with writing and poetry, it's never really had that. Because how do you, how do you get someone to pay attention to that? And now we're at that stage, obviously, social media and whatnot. It's so easy to get that attention. Because, yeah. you know, record a 30-second video, throw it, on, throw it on Instagram. That was the other yeah. thing this guy was saying. Like, it becomes people wanting to become famous because of it. Yeah. And, like, button poetry. Yeah. It's, it's like, fallen into the trap that everything falls into. And I always find it interesting when you kind of meet people who, who are so affronted about it. And I'm like, well, yeah, but you kind of have to see this coming. The moment anything becomes large... Yeah, you're going to get such a balance of that you know like woodworking if woodworking suddenly became easier which it will 3D printers you know craftsmanship everything like that no 3D printers I can so I can take what he does and I can perfect it and there'll be the, the initial ones where everyone's like god damn what you're doing with 3D printers is amazing I've seen these intricate mechanisms you've created and it's like yes but that's going to become easier yeah because everyone's going to have a 3D printer in their house and everyone's going to be making like, and eventually well, everyone's going to be able to make a Rubik's Cube in their house and everyone will be like, "Ah, oh, shit, 3D printing is not edgy anymore. And it's like, well, yeah, because the whole idea is that you take what that is and you make it edgy. You know, you, you, you put the effort But that's in. where theory kicks in. Yeah. And people don't want to learn theory. No. Like, when I was at uni doing media, no one wanted to do theory and do the essays. They wanted to pick up a camera and start filming. Yeah. And it's like, no, you need to know why. You need to know why you're making every single decision. Mm-hmm. And they don't, no one wants to know that. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up other things because I feel like I just like bang on about poetry as a as a negative thing too much at the moment. But it just becomes the easiest. Yeah, but that's, that's, that's your that's your touch. You know, yeah. that's that's what you do. But I'm seeing it just across the board, like. Yeah. And then when you hear that the Usher's becoming a wedding venue, 
and drill hall's going to close because the council's cut all of its money. All around the time that Brexit kicks in, shockingly. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're just like, we're fucked in this city if we're going to lose these institutions. Yeah. But in some way, I mean, I'm the kind of cynical person. I look at it and go, yes, we're fucked. And yes, it's a tragedy that you would close an art gallery, that you would, you know, turn it into something commercial. Mm. But at the same time, I'm like, that's what we need. You need something to go so someone gets so annoyed that they go, we haven't got the drill oh, hall anymore. Right, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go over there. I happen to own a building. We're going to put something on because yeah. I think theatre should be accepted. And then it's like, oh, well, that's not funded by the council anymore. It's funded by a private benefactor who happens to enjoy theatre. And that becomes something else. Yeah. And it, it's, it's always that kind of thing of like, if you knock something down and it's needed, yeah. which everyone kind of accepts art is needed, it will just come back. It just takes time. Yeah, and yeah. in strife, the best art has always been. Yeah. Like, even when you're reading about big name artists, they're all going, this is the best time for art at the moment because our politics are fucked everywhere. Yeah. And that's making everyone work harder. It's like, it's, it's horrible that that's the nature of it. But yeah. when things are good, which is why I don't like to go back. I don't, this is why I get scared of being contented because when you get content, you stop. Yeah. Because you're comfortable. Yeah. So you you need this boat to constantly be rocked all the time, but not so much that it capsizes and then yes. like. But it also doesn't necessarily have to be your boat that's rocked. Yeah, that's the the other thing. Like so many people kind of look at it and go, oh, "No, I need to be, I need to be distraught eighty percent of my day in order to make the artwork which I make." Yeah, and you're like, you're not going to live very long doing that. Also, can't you look at other people's and empathize with their plight? Yeah. Which is obviously saying when you get to a certain point, you can stop. You can't empathize anymore. It's like, well, yeah, you can take everything you've been through and then look at other people and go, they're doing exactly what I did. Yeah, I can use that as inspiration. You know, it's, and it's that kind of thing of in the Great Depression, entertainment thrives. Yeah. You know, in the Great War, expression thrives because people need that that explosion. Yeah. And if you're if you're gonna use that empathy. It's such a controlled environment because you can go, I'm in my space where I then do that. And then when I leave that space, I will stop doing that. Yeah. So I am now, I am participating with my greatest society without breaking myself, yeah. which is so important. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, there's just like, the critique isn't there. Yeah. And I feel like that's so crucial. And the moment that it ever turns up, everyone just loses their minds. Like, but then, see, to me, it's kind of like, the critique is there, but not of those venues. Mm. So it's like you take so you take anything in Lincoln, you put it on, you get an audience in Lincoln or New York or wherever these these open word nights. As soon as you take that to somewhere where there is a critique, and I don't want to use London as an example because it's London and fucks up the south. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> But, you know, you take it to London, there's so many different backgrounds that someone will step up and go, nah, this is shit, mate. Yeah. As soon as it does that, people are like, oh, shit. So it's like, yeah, it thrives here. And it's, it's this huge, dense layer on top of everything else. Yeah. But you know it can't thrive anywhere else. But then that obviously becomes the barrier for if you want to do something, which might not be that, mm. that you have to break. And it takes so much more effort. Yeah. It's like, you you know, you put a spoken word night on in Leeds. People will go to it. It'll be all right. 
some people well it's like Charlie was saying about the one in Sheffield and they're, yeah. they're getting like lectures from the university and stuff reading out who are published poets that can then actually like yeah. they're in a position where you should be accepting their critique yeah. whereas here it's just the same bodies yeah. um, same 20 people and again I don't even know whether I know whether my critique is worth it because no one's yeah. because it's not a conversation it's not a dialogue so it's just me going no I think that's shit because of these reasons yeah. and then everyone else going but it's brilliant because it's real yeah and I'm going, yeah, that's... Th- these two things are not mutual. Like, you can have both things. It can yeah. be a shit poem and this. Yeah. It can be a shit play and this. Yeah. You need to have the conversation alongside the art. It's yeah. like, you can't just have art, because then it's not art. It's just product. You know, And you can't just have the critique, because then that's just... That's pretension, that's snobbery. Because it's like, you're basically just going at everything. Yeah. So you've kind of got to have that balance, which... I don't think Lincoln's found yet. No. Like, it's interesting that balance is like the continuing theme. Yeah. But then with balance is always, yeah, it's it's that thing of you've got to find that balance, but then at some point that balance will slip again. And that's, that's the cause of it. Um, yeah. So looking to your future to round this out and looking to the past, Mm -hmm. because I like to, and sorting that balance. So in the last two years, obviously having gone through what you went through mm-hmm. and feeling bad about things you've done. Is there anything you're actually proud of? I am partly proud of the amount of work that we did make. Okay. And the people that I work with. Yeah. I'm proud of them without sounding patronising. Like... No. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, that was an experience. I got to be that struggling artist for a year, mm-hmm. regardless of whether there's a, all of the terrible stuff and I never want to do it again. Yeah. It did mean that I made a lot of work. Yeah. Um, is there which, any of the work you like, though? Say again? Is there any of the work you actually like? Yeah. Yeah. There's one thing that I wrote which is just too awful. Like, that's the moment where I went, no, I've, I've gone off the deep end now. Yeah. But words-wise, I think it's the best shit and it can just never enter the world ever because right. it's just too awful. <laughs> like it's just that's the best kind of work though. <laughs> You've made it and you're like this is like this is awful. But this my is... god, I did it. <laughs> um and then some of the plays as well like dealing with some of that stuff. Yeah. And putting that into the work yep. and then seeing it and seeing someone else act it out was an incredible experience. Yeah. And I'm excited that because I've I, I, uh, artists and sexy is going to be more about the artists and not about me going we're going to be a theatre company that makes this much money and then we can all quit our jobs and we can all do this which is silly yep. and it becomes then a case of me going I'm going to make this play and I don't care what anyone thinks yep. I'm hoping that with that I can begin to shift that balance mm-hmm. of it not just being a series of craft evenings in Lincoln yep. or a series of poetry nights where everyone is a genius and no one is talking about it and instead we can show some stuff which is maybe shit mm-hmm. like just too experimental yeah. made all the wrong decisions and then afterwards I can go yeah I know yeah. but did you do that? no you played it safe I experimented yeah. and did a lot of weird shit which didn't work but at least we did that but now you know that doesn't work so you go back and you'll make something better Yeah, yeah. and then help other people have the opportunity to do that as well yeah. and be like when people ask for help us go you really need to just push that boat out there you need to do whatever you need to make and then we will critique it and discuss it and we will 
um, I mean, one of the ideas that I want to do is called The School. Because when they got rid of me, I was like, I want to be teaching again. So I just want to start some, like, networking events. Like, old school uh, French New Wave filmmakers meeting in a bar kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then out of that, find people that are willing to teach other people for free. Yeah. It's just stuff. And I know there is a free school for sociology or something in Lincoln somewhere. Okay. Um, but I want to do one for, like, filmmaking or whatever. Yeah. Well, it's not even, like, the best kit. I found my old camcorder. Talk about past as well. Yeah. I found my camcorder from when I was 14. Yeah. And it's shit. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to make a film with this. Yeah. Cause it's going to be not? amazing. <laughs> um, and then I opened it up and found, like, loads of videos and stuff on it. But it's just me filming my hand like this. <laughs> and I'm like, Why? Why? That's, That's going the, the first beginning. thing you do when you get a camera. You go into a camera shop and you're like, oh, I got this guy's camera. And then your hand goes, right. Well, I guess I can focus it. <laughs> and everyone does it. It's the same as like, as soon as you take your camcorder home, the first thing you'll do is you'll point it out your window and you'll zoom as far <laughs> as you can yes. zoom. And then you'll bring it all the way back. You're like, all right, so that's the amount of detailing. Oh, maybe we zoom again. Oh my god, look how close I'm getting to this flower. <laughs> <laughs> it's just three yellow pixels yeah. now, but I can look film how close it. it is. Yeah. Um, so I want to. I want to make a film where they're the first thing. They're the first shots in the yeah. film with some like mo- with a monologue or something and something else. Um, but when I'm ready, yes. When that's I the know yeah. today is the day I'm going to make something. Yeah. And it's an unbearable urge because at the moment I'm happy watching Always Sunny in Philadelphia and eating crisps. I mean, all <laughs> the way my, I can't remember, I think it might have been my brother at one point. It's like, that's all research. You know, mm. Even if you're just indulging yourself in everything, yeah, it's all research. You know, you're reading books and they might be terrible. You, you're reading everything and your brain's going. Alright, well this is stuff. Log that for later. Log that for later. You might be right. Because that's when people feel bad of like, they make work and they go and they're like, oh yeah, but I'm just ripping off this. And it's like, no, there's a difference between ripping off and being inspired by, you know, you're taking the core idea and going, well, how can I manipulate that into what I want to say? Yeah. And like, was it good artist copy, great artist steal? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the, it's kind of the way to do it. But I think it's, it's been good to talk to you again. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Maybe man. two years' time, we'll do it again. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll be back with, like, everything's... Everything's like, going I, I like, hate everyone. I'll leave them fell down the, the hole. Cycle. <laughs> uh, I mean, well, if that happens, we'll just drink whiskey for the entire thing. <laughs> and we'll just... We'll both explore the rabbit hole for the whole entire thing. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it's been really good. Um, and again, I am sorry to anyone who is listening to this that knows that I was a dickhead. And I am doing all I can to not be that guy anymore. That's fair. I think that's a valuable asset in people. I'm not sorry for anything I've ever done. <laughs> I regret nothing. I'm going to do that in the future, in like five years' time. Um, we'll come back to this. <laughs> yeah, in the two years' time, it's you yeah. going... and I'll go down there. Yeah. Except it'll just be an empty chair at that point. <laughs> <laughs> and with that point, we'll end it there. Thanks.